Hey, we're pleased for the first time to be joined by Stefan Krosnick, who covers Mississippi State for the Clarion Ledgers. And uh, you know that name well if you're in that state. Stefan just started up with the Clarion Ledger, but he's been covering Mississippi State athletics for a while now. Stefan, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to, to talking some football. It feels like uh, it's so far away, but it's, it's creeping up on us. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I wanted to ask you because I'm sure you're well aware of this. You're a, from what from what I read up on you, you're an Indiana grad. And for whatever reason, Indiana is like the pipeline to SEC reporters here. So you probably knew what you were getting in, yourself into when you came down to uh, Starkville to cover the Bulldogs. But did you realize uh, how big this Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry was going to be till you got down here? Yeah. It's funny because I'm sure you, you've spoken to Ben Portnoy before and he covers South Carolina now and he kind of had um, a job here with the commercial dispatch covering Mississippi State. So he was kind of the point man on on making sure I knew all things coming in. And, um, and you know, you can imagine I've, I've experienced rivalries and stuff. The Indiana-Purdue basketball rivalry is, is huge every year. Um, and, I, and, I, and I figured the Ole Miss-Mississippi State football rivalry was huge just because, you know, the Egg Bowl being usually on Thanksgiving – uh, has given a, a great platform for that rivalry to kind of shine like all over the country because it's it's the only college football game on. So like, you know, growing up, even in Indiana, you know, I was tuned into the Egg Bowl because, what I mean, what else would you watch unless you were, you know, super avid uh, NFL fan, you know, watching that night. And and with at least for my lifetime, the Cowboys are usually in that in that late spot and nobody really wants to watch that anyway. So, um, but but it's it, it was really awesome this past weekend. Um to, to watch the baseball rivalry, you know, you figure rivals, you know, it can be any sport and Mississippi state fans want to beat Ole Miss, but I really never understood the magnitude of how big uh, college baseball was in the sec until I got here. And then obviously, um, you know, this particular rivalry, it's huge. Like people care a lot. And, and I've never seen college baseball to, to that, you know, on that platform before. So that was really cool to see. And, um, you know, I know people uh, bicker back and forth in the rivalry, but I think at the end of the day, I think there's a great deal of respect. Um, you know, between the two schools when it comes to the competitive nature and, and what, you know, they've, you know, both sides have kind of been uh, capable of making, you know, these rivalries become. Yeah. And not only are you, you know, thrown right into the middle of this rivalry, you're thrown into covering one of the most unique characters, not only in college football, but really in all sports. What's it like covering Mike Leach on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, it's kind of fun. I always tell people that the day-to-day -day stuff is not, you know, a lot like what you see on, on the viral clips. You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, he, he does, probably doesn't feel like doing a media availability or doesn't feel like answering a question or, or things of that nature. But, um, but but he's a good time to work with. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, when when he steps off the podium or whatnot, you're going to get, you know, a decent amount of time to just talk to him on the side about literally anything you want to talk about. I mean, he's, he's a funny guy. And, um, you know, that like, like any coach, you know, that the relationship with reporters is what it is. There's days where, you know, coaches don't feel like doing press conferences and days they do, but, but overall it's, it's been a fun experience. Um, I, I've enjoyed covering him. I've gotten a chance to, you know, talk to him about non-football related stuff um, that it's really interesting. And, and, and I've always told everyone, you know, his viral clips about candy corn and his thoughts on weddings and things like that. Like those are the clips that, that get millions of views and, and people laugh at that and think he's, you know, just some, some funny guy, but he, he's a really smart guy and he's really fun to talk about. Um, you know, he's traveled everywhere and it's really cool to talk about that. And, and um, you know, he graduated from law school. Like he's a really smart guy who knows a lot of things. Um, and, and that's, you know, what I've always found more interesting and more entertaining than, than those, 
you know, viral moments and funny things that he says, though, you know, those rants are pretty iconic in their own way. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, circling to the to his football team, Mississippi State, you think they're being a little bit slept on because, uh, uh, you, you know, obviously had they had a better kicker, I mean, they may have been a 10 win team last season coming into this year. They're going to host Texas A&M, which they beat Arkansas, which questionable call could have beat them and you're also hosting Auburn so uh just looking at the schedule looking at the team they're bringing back you know I have a high opinion on Mississippi State but do you think nationally the Bulldogs are being slept on a little bit you know I, I think so and I think it, it really did surprise me seeing a lot of the the you know I mean first you have the way too soon rankings that come out the day after the championship game which is to me is kind of relevant at this point with how the transfer portal is right like how like there's just no way to predict anything um, but on top of that, even as even as the rankings have kind of you know progressed, um, it is surprising to not see Mississippi State in a lot of those top 25s. And I'm not saying that you know they're necessarily a top 10 team going into the season, but I definitely thought they were going to be a top 25 team in, in most accounts because of what they return. And obviously losing Makai Polk uh, and Charles Cross and Martin Emerson, those are big losses. But I feel like um, aside from left tackle, will be a little bit you know iffy, um, especially when you're trying to replace a guy who's probably going to go in the in the top 10 on Thursday, right? Um, but but Makai Polk, I think they're not going to have too much trouble replacing just because of the depth that they have at wide receiver, um, as any Mike Leach air raid offense tends to do. And um, and with Emmanuel Forbes there, you kind of have him to just step into that number one corner role. And, and they've got a few guys who are capable of beating that number two guy. So their biggest losses, I feel like they have replacements for. So, so you look at what they return and, and what they're capable of replacing. I think it's a pretty good team. What's tough for them is is the schedule that they get handed you you mentioned those three games that they have at home which are very winnable um but at the same time you get uh you get to play georgia this year in that cross divisional game right like that's you went from playing vanderbilt last year you're playing georgia this year so that's kind of unfavorable and and they're playing at kentucky and um and i've seen various reports andy who andy costa who was at the clearing ledger before um you know i took the job recently uh reported that by some accounts they have the toughest schedule um, in the nation coming into next season. Now, obviously that changes, you know, with the portal and, and things like that. Um, but overall, you, you can see how hard it is. It's not too much of a surprise that someone in the SEC West has that. But when you take the SEC West and you add Georgia, you're going to have the hardest schedule. That's just how it's going to work out. And they, they got to take advantage of the non-conference games. They got to put themselves in a good position. They didn't do that last year, uh, particularly with that loss at Memphis. And everyone remembers that, that controversial punt return and all that. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's probably a game they should have ran away with. Um, you, you can't really mess around in the non-conference. You got to get your feet wet right away, solidify that offensive line. Uh, so, so like any team, they've got holes. Um, but, but, but to go back to your question, I do think they're being slept on a little bit because I think they they can be one of the better teams uh, in the SEC West. Now, is there a uh, a question mark? Maybe the biggest question mark that you had for this football team going into spring camp that you think they got answered? Is it that left tackle position? Is it another one? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the, the one that did a, the best job of addressing and I guess, you know, clearing any doubt of is replacing Makai Polk. They've had uh, Caleb Duckin, who's, who's going to be a redshirt senior and really, you know, hasn't shown that production, but he's got the size. And if he can just be consistent, he can be really good and kind of step into that role. But alongside, you know, what we've seen in, in history with, with Mike Leach offenses is there's rarely that Makai Polk. There's usually a plethora of guys who come in. Uh, and, and add up to those 105 receptions. You don't have one guy who's just going to go get those receptions. And I think they're in a better position for that this year. I think their wide receiver group is just, um, you know, less top heavy. I think it's a pretty spread out group where you can have 
a few guys. And, and if you're demanding, you know, Caleb Duckett to go out there and get you 50 and six or 60 catches, that's reasonable. I've got to ask him to get 105 might not be reasonable. I think when you spread that out, and they did a good job of, of addressing, you know, that question of Kai Pope Um, The left tackle spot, you know, they, they've tried um, Katrivius Johnson. People call him Dollar Bill around here. A left tackle. Uh, he he was mostly a right guard most of last season. So moving him at left tackle is interesting. They bring in Percy Lewis, a JUCO guy who I believe was the number two JUCO player available at, in this year's signing class. Or he's a really highly rated guy, huge guy. Like you look at him, you're like, well, yeah, that's who you want at left tackle. Um, but he's obviously still making that transition in spring of, of becoming an SEC ready guy coming in from JUCO. So, um, you know, left tackle will, will be interesting, but I think this spring they, they've done a great job of addressing um, at least that outside wide receiver room. Now, Mississippi State's also had a, a couple of spring scrimmages that they've opened to the public. I know the, you know, the quote unquote spring game was supposed to be that way, but uh, what the weather didn't cooperate. Any, uh, you know, intel or observations that you've gathered from the 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 open scrimmages that Mississippi State's had this spring? Yeah. Um, so the way they've structured it is they've had three open scrimmages. Um, you know, and and they, they weren't having a traditional spring game this year. They tried not to even call it that. They were just kind of calling it a spring scrimmage. Um, so the one that got rained out, they had the first the, the week before the original scheduled one. They just had a, a typical Saturday scrimmage that was open to the public. The following week it gets rained out, so they just moved that to Tuesday. So they had a Tuesday scrimmage. They're going to have uh, one on on tonight, Tuesday night. Um, for kind of their last practice slash last scrimmage. Um, so that's the way they've structured it with, with practices kind of coming in between those. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I've really taken away from it is um, they, they have a really deep uh, front six uh, defensively. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of that in the spring just because guys like, like Jordan Davis is still coming back, um, you know, from a, from a torn ACL. We didn't see him at all last season. And that's, you know, a guy that people thought would be Mississippi State's top defensive end. Um, you know, guys like like Jaden Crumity have, have been kind of limited in the spring. Uh, Jed Johnson uh, fractured his hand and has been out most of the spring. That, that's going to be a starting linebacker. But with all those injuries, they had a few, you know, young guys like Deshaun Page, a linebacker, who have really stepped up and looked good um, in those scrimmages. So suddenly you, you think, well, you know, when they, when they get, get those big guys back, um, you know, in the fall, they've got a pretty deep front six. And, and that was their strength last season because – um, and, and I think it still will be because safety is still a, an iffy position that uh, Mississippi State was among the best defenses when it come, came to stopping the run. And that that helped their secondary out a lot. And, and maybe some of those holes in the, in the safety position uh, didn't show because of how good they were up front. So if, if they have a deep room there and they can just rotate guys in and, and get fresh guys in, um, you know, there, there's no no reason to believe that that that, you know, at least top rush defense can't return and help that the help the help the uh, pass defense out a little bit I should say mm -hmm. now there's so much star power at the quarterback position in the SEC returning well, of course we got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner we got other guys that are listed all over the preseason Heisman Trophy odds so it may be a stretch to say Will Rogers is the best quarterback just because of how loaded they are at, at that position in the conference but you know, what are the odds that he's the most productive? I don't think that's a stretch at all, considering what we've seen from him and what we know. We all know the prolific offenses Mike Leach puts together. What are the odds that, that Will Rogers is uh, the most productive? And you can define that however you want. Uh, most productive quarterback in the SEC this year. You know, I, I think the odds on that are, are pretty good. And, um, you know, you mentioned there the, the Heisman odds. When I checked, and this, this was like January, like right after the season had ended, they had had like the 
the, you know, way too early, you know, Heisman odds or the immediate Heisman odds. I think it was FanDuel that had him. And Will Rogers was ninth. Um, so I, I think there's definitely some national hype around him. And I think what we've seen, or at least what we saw last season was he went from a guy in the first half of the year who was putting up ridiculous numbers because of the Mike Lee drop. He was throwing it a ton. He was completing a ton of passes. Um, you know, a lot of them were just, you know, kind of dump offs and, um, you know, that, that, you know, chunk yardage that, that they get um, in the air raid offense. It wasn't necessarily big plays downfield, but he was getting a ton of yards, completing passes, getting touchdowns. His numbers look, looked really good, but you still felt like there was a next step to his game. And I think we really saw that um, as the season progressed. Like he, he struggled in the Egg Bowl and he struggled a lot in, in the Liberty Bowl. But in those games leading up to that, like the, the people that watched that Auburn game and saw the, the flip that Mississippi State made from being down 23 to, you know, like, like people are surprised that, you know, they came back and they won that game and it was this huge comeback. But I don't know the last time I, I've, at least in person, seen a quarterback take over the game, um, you know, like that. Like we've seen uh, great performances. Like, I mean, Bryce Young has taken over games, right? Like we've seen that. But, but for me to watch it live, and to just like it wasn't miss, like you get teams that come back and then you get that like final drive. It's huge. Like Mississippi State was down like 28, 17. And you're like, they're going to win this game just because of how dominant like Will Rogers looked like he was just slicing up that defense. He was finding every hole in that defense, finding the space, finding the grass that, that you need in the air raid. And you saw, you know, that was just a perfect game of seeing how he's learned um, this offense in his time and his time working with Mike Leach. And you really saw him going from a system quarterback to a guy who knows how to run that system. Like it, it wasn't the system suiting him. It was him, um, you know, kind of knowing uh, what to do and being, and Mike Leach talked about it. Like Will Rogers got to a point last season where he was at the line, you know, calling plays, calling audibles, things of that nature. And, and for Mike Leach to, you know, give someone the reins to do that, that means he has a lot of trust in that quarterback. And he usually doesn't have guys as young as Will Rogers. And he kept saying last season, like, listen, like, I know he started a lot of games as a true freshman, so people are just used to seeing him out there. But, like, at the end of the day, he's only had about a season and a half's worth of starts. And I know people will be like, well, you know, look at Bryce Young, like all this and that. He doesn't have the talent and the athleticism that a Bryce Young has. Like, that, like most quarterbacks take some time to develop. They're not all Bryce Young and Trevor Lawrence's and Deshaun Watson's, right? Like, they take some time to develop. And you're seeing that with Will Rogers. And, and he's been spoken highly of this spring. Um, you know, Leach has spoken highly of him. And, and I think – um, it's very reasonable to put high expectations on him this season. And I think he knows that. And he puts that pressure on himself and he talks about, you know, kind of being a veteran now and feeling like he's been at Mississippi State for six or seven years as opposed to like three. Um, but but the expectations are there for himself. And and, and I think it's kind of starting to build uh, on the national stage, especially if Mississippi State can win some games early next season. What's the biggest question mark you have exiting the spring for the defense? Because I think Zach Arnett, I didn't know hardly anything about him when, you know, when Mississippi State hired him. But I think he's been tremendous. Uh, you reference it, they've, they've really attacked uh, the run defense. They've, they've been that way since Zach Arnett's been there. They've had star power in the secondary. And they, they got that once again in Emmanuel Forbes. So what's the biggest question mark you have for uh, this Zach Arnett defense that, uh, that they'll have to take that next step if Mississippi State's going to truly contend in the West? Yeah, I think the the safety position is is the biggest thing, and and what's interesting there is that um, in the off season, Mississippi State did a lot of uh, reshuffling with the coaching staff, and um, it, it put Zach Carnett um, in in charge of coaching the safety specifically, and um, that that's a position that that he's going to have to harp on and and get fixed because um, you know at corner they got to develop a number two corner, right? Like someone's got to step up and, and, you know, take the place of Forbes while Forbes takes the place of Emerson. 
which I think they could do. Uh, and now then, then it just leads it to the safety position. And, you know, Jalen Green came over from Texas last season. Um, he was a corner at Texas, moved to safety, and he did a pretty good job. Um, so now, now you got to look at who's going to step up behind him. Obviously, they have, um, you know, Colin Duncan, who's, who's a super experienced guy. Um, but you never have really seen that kind of next step in his game. He really kind of needs to take that next step and be a leader and kind of put his foot down at the safety position and be like, hey, I, I can be a guy who can be trusted back here. And, um, and I'm not sure if we saw that yet this spring from him, and that's kind of hard to gauge, you know, in practices. Um, but, but even in those scrimmages, you're still kind of waiting for him to, like, you know, make that big play. Um, and what's interesting there is that they bring in Jackie Matthews, a transfer from uh, West Virginia, I believe it was, um, who, who had, you know, pick six at one of the scrimmages and has looked pretty flashy in some of those spots. So it'll be interesting to see if he uh, develops in a guy and maybe steals some snaps from Colin Duncan. Um, and then kind of in, in that, I, I put it in, in the safety category, that bulldog, that position that they have. I think some cool schools call it like a Husky. Like there's, there's various names that I've heard for it, but they're losing Fred Peters at that position. Um, it looks like Sean Preston Jr. is going to be the guy, at least for right now, who they want to step in there. That's another guy, kind of like Colin Duncan, where he's got experience, but like you're, you're waiting, you're waiting. Like you, you want that next step to come, and it just kind of seems like it hasn't yet. So that those two guys, Colin Duncan, Sean Preston, and their position, positions, um, I, I think are still biggest question marks, at least defensively, coming out of the spring. Now, unfortunately, I mean, this is just the state of college football. We always got to talk transfer portal and, and who's coming and who's going. So I know Mississippi State's added a couple guys, but if they were to add, you know, one or two more, what position groups do you think they will target to bring someone in to, to shore up uh, any deficiencies they have? Yeah, I think, and Mike Lee just talked about it, at least he did um, during you know, one of the signing days. It's so confusing now with all the signing days, to which one's which, but he, he talked a lot about how, you know, the, the thing with the portal is, is you don't really stop once once spring starts right like like the portal is about to take like another push right now that spring ball is finishing and teams know kind of what they what they need or have at least a little bit of a better picture but i think um offensive line is still going to be a spot where mississippi state is going to look to add depth and and who knows maybe even go you know get someone who's who's solidified a left tackle if there's a big name out there you know you, you can look at you know percy lewis the, the juco guy coming in and you can look at Patrivis johnson and, and you know the work he's putting over there and say listen you guys are great and we'll develop you, but you know, this guy's immediate and we got a chance at him. We're going to bring him in and put him there. So I think that that's one thing to watch out. It could be really at either of the tackle positions because right tackle is not really solidified um, either with, with Scott Lashley um, out of eligibility there. Um, and then uh, defensively, I think uh, we're going to see uh, some more additions in, in, um, in the secondary and, and I'm totally slipping on, on his name right now, but they just got a, a former four-star defensive back uh, coming in from Florida state. Um, the other day who committed and um, Marcus Washington. Right. Right. So they're bringing in Washington. And, and so they got, they've got good pieces there right now, but I think what they need, um, you know, as I mentioned it with Colin Duncan and Sean Preston and Emmanuel Forbes probably leaving for the NFL next year. Like they've got really good pieces right now, but you look at that group and you're like, that's kind of an old group with not a lot of young guys who are ready to step in. So they needed a guy like that um, to come in from Florida state and, and, and give them three or four years of eligibility to maybe not make an immediate impact, but give them some kind of foundation in the secondary for, for the years moving forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got a couple more guys like that, who, you know, were highly rated players out of high school, maybe just didn't fit, you know, at their current schools, things like that, bring them in, tell them, Hey, you're not, you're probably not going to play this year or not play much this year. Let us develop you. And then when Forbes and Duncan and Preston are gone and, um, and, and even Jalen green, you'll be ready to step in next season. So looking at that would be the 2023 season. 
All right, last question for you. I really appreciate all your time. Mike Leach, unfortunately, hey, the guy he replaced was undefeated in the Egg Bowl. Mike Leach is, is still searching for his first Egg Bowl. I'm not trying to push Leach out the door because I, I love him. I hope he's in the SEC forever. But how much pressure is going to be on Mike Leach to win that Egg Bowl, even though it is in Oxford this year? Yeah, no, there's a lot of pressure. And I think there's a lot of pressure because people don't know what Ole Miss is going to look like, right? Like, how do they look replacing a ton of key players who are leaving for the NFL? Like, I, I don't think the expectations are that high, at least nationally, on Ole Miss. And that's going to push for people believing, hey, this is the year that you got to go in there um, and you got to steal a win on the road and, and bring the Egg Bowl back to Starkville. And and there's pressure. And, and, I, and I've had this discussion a million times um, with, with various people of, like, how do you balance – what was a really good season last year for Mississippi State and a huge step forward in year two under Mike Leach. How do you balance that with losing the Egg Bowl again? And there's a lot of people who are like, listen, if he loses it, loses it this year, he's on the hot seat. Like, and I'm like, even if he wins like 11, like if he goes 11 and one and loses to Ole Miss, they're like, yeah, yeah, you, you can't go 0 3 in the Egg Bowl and be safe around here. So that's, I mean, it's whether you think it's right or wrong, it's how a lot of people think, right? Like, there's a lot of Thanksgivings that people get together and part of the families that all of us fan, a part of the families of state fan, and, and it determines how that Thanksgiving Thanksgiving night goes. Uh, so th there's pressure and, and, you know, Leach probably knows it and he probably, you know, he won't talk about it. He'll say he's worried about consistency and taking it one game at a time. And when Ole Miss comes around, it'll be about, you know, winning a football game and not about winning, you know, some huge egg bowl, but he knows and, and people around Mississippi state know that um, if you start off 0-3 in the egg bowl, um, you better be winning 11 games because because otherwise uh, people get mad and, and you know, you know, what comes with that. All right. So he's Stefan Krajisnik. I hope I nailed that. Krajisnik, close enough. You Krajisnik, had the first I'm time, sorry. So that's all we asked for. <laughs> I really, really appreciate all this Mississippi State knowledge and, and for you taking this time. You did an outstanding job. I think uh, the, the, the uh, my listeners are really, really going to appreciate this one. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. And, and anytime you want me on, you know, in the summer and the season, let me know, man. I, I got time for you.